Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Communitas Podcast, where we share stories and insights on culture, the church, and living on the missional frontier. I'm Jeff Reinhardt, President of Communitas International. Andrea Asher, Chief Mobilization Director, co-hosts. We interview guests from around the world who are striving to transform lives and communities through writing and living on mission. Let's start the show. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of the Communitas podcast. I'm really excited today to be joined uh, by my colleague, Eduardo. And Eduardo um, lives in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and has been uh, overseeing the efforts of Communitas International in Central and South America. So Eduardo, welcome to the podcast. Why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction as to who you are, where you are, and some of your transformation story. Sure. Hi, I'm really glad to be here uh, today. Actually, I live in Brasilia, the capital of Brazil. Great. Yeah. So, uh, and I would say, Jeff, that this journey of embedding in the community and not only my neighborhood, but also the market and companies here have been helping me not only find my 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 gifts and but also discovering how people in their workplaces and what they do are finding God through what I do and through the conversations that that we have. So um I I, I just would say that while I'm being I would say an instrument to help others to see spirituality and life in a different way i'm also being transformed so i can go into detail while I ask questions about my own transformation as well but this is the way i would start because this is an incredible journey while i i share life i also receive life from other people and this is just a, a beautiful way of being transformed and also being an instrument of god to help others being transformed Right on. Go go back. Uh, talk a little bit about your how you found Communitas, for example, and what paths maybe you had been on before that, and and how things have maybe changed for you, and, and even some of your outlook on approaches and forms. Sure. Um, I was leading a church in a city one hour and a half here from Brasilia, and it was like a big church and. Then I thought about starting a new church, but that was a result of, I would say, I was leading the church and the systems of the church, and I just saw myself in a very managerial role, and that was just draining my energy. And in one specific day, the mayor of the city asked us for one part of the, of the church to start a program with children that would help the community. And I saw myself totally uh, lit based on his uh, question. I thought myself, okay, what if not only uh, opening the doors for the mayor to use the space or the city to use the space, how can I interact as well with them to be a partner in this, in this project? And this idea of not only leading the church in that managerial role, but being back to the community that 
brought my heart to to a new place, I would say. And then I started, I thought about, because I always had, apart from the church, uh, a flock that would not step into the church. But we would gather in our house or in different houses to talk about the spirituality. And my questions were, why they do not step into the church? Uh, so my wife and I, we thought about after this experiencing experience, um, thinking about going back to the community and being engaged with the community. And from there, start a new faith community. And that started to be a dream and then a nightmare because we thought about how we're going to do this right um and then i moved to the west to find some other partners and in one of my contacts there i i found christian associates that for uh that was the name that communitas has had in the past and the language of embedding in the community that was very powerful for me because this is exactly what I was doing. It was dreaming, but I saw Communitas really open for us to design that together. And I'm very creative and I like to create stuff and I like to. So this idea of being invited to create together and like co-create how this would look like in, in Brazil, Latin America, this grabbed my heart. So this is what I did. I ended up coming back, coming back to Brazil and starting this community in Brasilia. But one very interesting point that we, as a result of this desire, I thought about being a teacher in the community, right? So I could have a role to embed. Yeah. But I found myself as well as an entrepreneur, someone that would like to start new things, not only the church, but then I found myself with a team with 10 other teachers. So instead of just teaching now, I had a business, right? And, and that became something good, but at the same time, attention, because now I was planting a church and now I was leading a business as well. Yeah. And this ended up being... Uh, we started as a language school, but and I started using coaching uh, to help people learn the language, but tapping into their motivations, their development. I saw coaching as a really powerful tool to interact and get to know people better and help them in their journey. And my, I sold the language school and I started this institute that would help people in their personal development. So now I was like having this institute and the church. Right. But if you ask me, um, have any questions or? No, no, keep going. Can I keep going? Okay. So, and then I, I had, I, as I said, this tension, but that was shaping my ecclesiology as well. Because mm -hmm. the way I had to lead the church and I also had to lead this business and I had to decentralize more. I had to think more about sending people to start new missional initiatives because I could not just run the whole church. Because if I would not have this business, maybe I would centralize more things. But hmm. now having these where I had to wear uh, these two hats, I started 
training people and thought about having one main thread so my life could be more manageable. And okay, I would work with leadership training and personal development. And this would include not only people in their companies to serve well in their leadership role, but also help Christians that would like to start missional initiatives. So this changed a little bit the way I, I saw things, the way I see things, because now instead of just having this large church that would gather on Sunday, on Sunday, I started having people saying, hey, I think I'm going to move from the city to another one, one hour and a half from here, because I feel really empowered to start a missional initiative there. And then I thought, oh, no, you are so important here, you know, too. <laughs> but that that was important to bring not only in practice this idea of helping others to be effective in their missional project, but also to make my life sustainable. Right. So now we, now we are uh, looking for a, a new pastor who would more help here, the church with this managerial role, because here I see myself as a lever and a coach to help others to start their missional initiatives and their projects where they are. But this is, this is the way things unfolded, you know, um, and not only helping people like the day before yesterday, I met with 10 other leaders who are starting their missional initiatives in different parts of Brazil, South of Brazil, North of Brazil, in the center of Brazil, you know, um, it's very interesting the way that my desire to help other people grow ended up not only shaping what I do in terms of business, but also in terms of ministry as well. Uh, that's outstanding. Yeah, Eduardo, you're, you are a master networker, um, and, and perhaps we can share more as this goes on even some of the the network you've developed over the last few months and some of the you know kind of crucial meetings you've had to build some bridges i am curious though you just mentioned that a number of people are are coming to you and wanting to be coached through developing missional community um so speak speak to this one do you think the field is really ripe for that it, why why all why why suddenly all this interest in missional community or maybe it's been there a long time, but if it's if it's new, what's what's causing that? Uh, and then and then thinking of community itself, when you think of of just general population um, in your area, how would people define community, and what are they what are they looking for in community? All right. Let me start with that with that first question first. Um, I would. I would say that some people are asking the question, we have been planting churches and I think we have to do something different. Okay. How that would look like or how that would be. So I'm stepping into these conversations. Um, I would not say that some of them are talking about missional communities or this, but, but there's this desire of uh, how can we respond better to the needs of the community or how can we better listen to what God is doing in our context? And, and, and based on this, 
and because we live in such a complex world, people do not just want more recipes or saying, oh, just do this or do that. And the way we approach not only church planting, but also leadership training involves a lot of discernment and teaching people how to discern with their team. So th this brings a different flavor instead of being just one size fits all, but this idea of, oh, let's listen to our context. Let's listen to the people we have been dealing with, or let's engage our team in the conversation just to create more empowerment and, and connection. So based on these topics, I see that windows and doors are opening. And and it's and it's very interesting. Uh, it's very interesting because this is also something that I have been discerning with them. Because while I network with people and I interact with people, I have people from upper middle class reality, and also we would live faith community there and be hands and feet and body of Jesus there would be very different. So this idea of let's discern together is being a different one, something that are opening doors for us. So then uh, how about the community piece of that? What, what are people seeking in community? Well, this, this, this was a good question that you asked me and, because the Bible says that love would grow cold, right? And my reality here in Brazil is dealing uh, with these different communities that I have noticed this trend in cons consumer relationships. Uh, so okay. how this relationship serves me, right? Yeah. And uh, and I think this is all over, not only in in a faith community, but also everywhere people uh, go at work and family. So modeling the opposite way becomes discipleship in, in, in practice. Mm -hmm. um, people, people have been canceling others more easily. Um, so if you don't have the same political opinion or likes or dreams, people just cancel. Or, and, and this idea of people being less tolerant I see not only in the in in the church but also everywhere. So one of the things that we we are proposing is how can we break this pattern of consumption by listening to other people's stories, not yeah. just their opinions. For example, in one of our meetings, Jeff, we did an exercise where in groups of four people, yeah, you would listen to the other participants, right? stories so but you would listen to them without trying to fix the person or you could not express an opinion yep it was interesting because hearts just were breaking so rather than the other people attacking the political party he understood the broken heart that drove the choice mm. so I see people, they want this connection. And one of the things that we are inviting people to is, okay, let's, the, the, the basis of the Bibles, the Bible, our story. So 
discipleship needs to be immersion from story to story. I, I know this is a more handmade model, but it transforms from inside out, you know? So it, in, in terms of community, I see that, I don't know if I answer your question, but this is what we are we are seeing in our culture that we are uh, fighting against. This idea of relationship is just a way of consuming. And yeah, yeah, no, that's really profound. Actually, there there certainly is a, a culture of transactional relationship. Um, some of that is is passing a certain litmus test uh, where you know we take things that really are in the gray and we make them extraordinarily black and white and then we judge we judge people or institutions by some some pretty bizarre standards so it's no wonder to me that people are attracted to the life on life listening and sharing of story um because that's been missing and and I think I think the culture is yearning for it uh, even if if part of the culture doesn't know that's what they're yearning for so i yeah i think that approach really really makes sense yeah th that for us here because it has been challenging experienced community because we were going through brazilian elections yeah and the the country was very divided so um uh, and you have people having different problems in the church or in faith communities in general because they're from political parties. So the question started to be, how can we experience community in this setting? You know, so this is just one of, uh, one of the, uh, the ways is, okay, let's listen to this story or, or, the, or to the broken heart that drove that choice, or this would bring more connection instead of separation. But you can see different uh, communities here that took different steps, such as, okay, um, we are totally on this party and this is what we're going to do. And But as we had different groups from different parties in this community, right, we decided to invite them to listen stories and understand each other instead of just grabbing something in their hands and raising a flag that would separate more than would what would connect. Well, well that thank you for doing that. We we need more of that everywhere. Um it 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 is fascinating to note that in different cultures and different countries um the same things are are being experienced. <laughs> I, I mean, you you just described the US over the last 8 years. So um yeah. and it's interesting you're saying because the challenge was the Jew and the Samaritan Right. When yeah. Jesus and Jesus did it in a totally different way. He went there and drank a glass of water and listened to the story. So that broke the paradigm. But yeah. Yeah, that's good. Eduardo, a little bit ago, you you uh, referenced reaching the people who wouldn't want to step inside of a church. Um, speak to that a little bit more. It, it, why is that? why is that occurring? Why are people not wanting to go to what maybe they would think of as a traditional church? Uh, and what are they looking for instead? Okay. Um, I would say that Brazil would be different from Europe and from the U S because 
you can have this Christian movement uh, growing and especially in more under-resourced communities. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, when you're dealing with more like upper middle class and postmodern people, mm. um, the dialogue needs to be, uh, we, we, we have to work our dialogue. It, it, instead of just being confrontational, how this how how this could be invitational, you know? So I, I think why why I like, for example, dynamic adventure approach to Latin America and to Brazil that help leaders to be more invitational and less confrontational. So I not only see this generation, but I also see my son's generation, where leaders could uh, immerse more in the community and also listen to what is being said, what's being done, and how to connect the good news of the gospel to what the, is being lived out there. So um, I would say that people that are not too open to go to a church, at least to this model of evangelical church, the Brazilian evangelical church would be more in the postmodern upper middle class. Hmm. So creating these spots or these groups where dialogue can be built in a very way and also not only connect with facts or ideas, but also with the heart of the person, not just with nation. But with transformation, you know, so um, this this can open like huge doors. So, and this this is what we are exploring. So, when you're thinking about a missional community, it's a smaller place where we can interact and really understand the doubts, the questions uh, that people are asking out there, right? And it's interesting because we have been. Once uh, every other week, we get together with these leaders and they bring news from the field. This is what we say. What are the news from the field? You know, and they say. While interacting with this person, this person just asked me such a, an interesting question. I did not know how to respond, mm. you know, and maybe he would just give a kick quick answer just to not to feel bad in front of the person. But when he says and he thinks and he sees that he can be vulnerable saying, oh, this is interesting what you're saying. Let me think more about it. Let's interact later on this. You know, um, I see that we're not only listening well, but also discerning in scripture, but also with people, uh, God's people together, how to respond and interact with this need. Right. Make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I would like to hear you expand on this, and, and I'm looking for similarities and differences. Really, um, you made the comment that postmodern and middle class, upper class people are more prone to reject or walk out from um, more traditional evangelical church. What What did the church get wrong? In a sense, and I don't, I don't, we could spend 
hours talking just on the subject. So I, I'm thinking from more of a, a broad perspective. Um, what what is it that people are are walking away from? Because at some point they were engaged, and now it's not for them anymore, right? So why do you think that is? In a short answer, yeah. <laughs> in my perspective, we got very well on apologetics, but not so well on listening to people. Yeah. And I think if if we could work more our listening skills without being scared of, of what's coming, uh, this would I know this is a, a threat. For some people, you know, yeah. but I think it's worth the risk because um, I, I remember I grew up in a structure that our teaching was focused on apologetics. Okay, this is what you have to answer. This is what you have to answer. This is what you have to say. Mm. But in my, I'm 43 now. When I was 35, I started learning more about listening skills. So I spent a lot of how to tell others a good theology and less than and less how to listen and interact with. So th- th- this is this is what I would I would explore. And I think this is what we need to focus. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and in one sense, it all seems so simple. If you step back and just kind of realize the human heart, um, what I'm finding really cool about what you're saying is when we think about communion with the divine, the the first place for that to happen is through communion with our fellow men and women, right? So so if you can develop authentic relationship person to person then we can create that you know that would be more horizontal and then the vertical relationship to the divine would kind of fill in there but the very first class when i did my seminary education very first class professor drew a, a straight line horizontal line on the whiteboard and spoke to this you know this represents communion and community between people. And then he drew a vertical line up from the horizontal line and said, this represents, you know, a vertical relationship with the divine. And he said that that's all you need to know. (laughs) All of us in the class are kind of going, Oh, okay, well, we're going to pay $50,000 for this education. Uh, Thanks for the simple diagram. Um, But I think there's a lot to that. And I think that's what you're saying too, is, is, you know, it's simpler than we make it out to be, uh, have authentic relationship with each other. And through those authentic relationships, one, we'll get a taste for the divine. And two, we can have, um, intimate relationship with the divine. And it starts with listening and knowing each other. Right. That's right. And it's interesting you're saying this because that just took me back to my, when I was doing my major in theology. And I remember the first time I got one of the book of St. Augustine and yeah. reading that. And I was like, oh, I like this man. You know, let me tell you why. Because he was sharing 
his motivation and how dark his motivation was. And, and, and I saw myself there and said, hey, I can open my heart. I can be vulnerable. This, this guy's being vulnerable. And how can I explore this kind of his spirituality? Mm. You know? And then after just going, reading John Calvin, and I remember once, Jeff, he was saying nearly all the wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom mm-hmm. consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. Sure. But while joined by many bonds, which one precedes and bring forth, uh, brings forth the other is not easy to discern. And that day I read the sentence that was just such a a good thing to my heart because I thought while I I discover myself, I'm finding God. And while I find God, I can find out more about myself. And this idea of just having one sentence in theology that was becoming far and far because for me was bored than just information, but how transformation would t- take place. Right. So that, that, that drove me to be closer to people. And, and it, it's very interesting because this is what I see when I go to run a workshop yeah. in a non-religion space, but through the teachings and the sayings that I bring there, I see people finding more about themselves and that unfolds in finding more about God. Yeah, that's right. I, <clears throat> I think we've helped to answer the the prior question of, you know, what what did the church miss? And you spoke to this. The church spent so much time and energy with providing the answer that we neglected the mystery. And there's so much in the mystery, uh, but the church also did a really a, a really, I guess, good job of relegating the self to something less than and we're learning that the self is is critically important um made in the image of god um and that that self needs to be known and understood uh even grappled with and honest uh in order for intimacy to exist between another person and oneself and between god and oneself would you agree to that absolutely and let me tell you why because one of the flags that I'm raising here is, hey, we're not talking about finding more about the self to build Superman, as Nietzsche was proposing in the past. Right. Yep. We are helping people find more about the self because there they can see the fingerprints of God. But they can see the fingerprints of God in love, acceptance, and see, hey, he interacts with my story. And he's needing my story in such a powerful way that I not only see past, but present, and I can see a beautiful future, right. you know? So self is not it's, it's this idea of, okay, we cannot talk about self because people are just going to think that they're going to be Superman. Right. This yeah. happens a lot here in Brazil, right? Do not go there, Eduardo. But mm. hey, I'm going to help people go there. Why? Because there are the fingerprints of God. Yeah in their story, in what they lived. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, thank you for for going off the theological cliff there with us for a little bit. Uh, we could talk all day on, on these kinds of subjects. Um, I, I am a little bit more curious, though, 
um, on a couple of things. One, you have developed some significant training tools, um, and some of them are around dynamic adventures. So for those of us, those of you listening who aren't familiar with Communitas or Dynamic Adventure, Dynamic Adventure is a guide to starting and shaping communities of faith that love like Jesus in their neighborhood or missional churches uh, is another term for that. Um, and this has been an incredible resource we've been using for the last probably six years or so. Uh, and literally thousands of people around the world right now are being trained in this. Um, Eduardo, what did you see in it when you got your hands on it that led you to the place where you are now where you're even developing you know specialized modules and, and training pieces a framework to help other people to discern well to improve their listening skills not only for people who are in the community but but also their team uh, and, and this idea of having a framework that guides but not a framework that just puts you in a place that you cannot move. This yeah. is very powerful. So um, interacting with that framework to help others to listen better and to initiate something in their context based on their listening. For example, let me just tell you a, a quick story because this brings more, this brings life to what I'm saying. I, I, I went to Costa Rica, right? Mm -hmm. And I was helping the team with these tools. Normally, people just like the main leaders would say, oh, now I know exactly what we're going to do. But the powerful thing was like to see a lady there said, she raised her hand, her hand and said, hey, Eduardo, I know exactly what I'm going to do with my tortillas. I said, what? Because she sells tortillas, right? Yeah. And she was just seeing herself, how she, uh, herself, and how she could help the local church, but she hasn't seen herself as a local missionary in her small tienda, small store, in one neighborhood of one city of Costa Rica. Right. And she said, "I know how my tortillas are like a powerful tool to listen people well." So I stopped the train. I said, no, please share with us because this is exactly what we were expecting. People applying this to their daily lives and seeing themselves as missionaries. You know, I have tons of the stories. If you just let me, I could just tell more and more and more. Yeah, that is so exciting uh, to hear that it's having that kind of an impact. Um and and changing changing lives it's you know it's it's a tool of of transformation um that brings awareness to folks and and can uh, transform a community ultimately so that's yeah where, where how have you seen some of these folks you know start to transform their community in a way i know i'm sure you have some stories about that right so it's very interesting cuz one of the results of our training um Five couples lived uh, left one of the cities in the north part of Costa Rica and went down south, right? Mm -hmm. And I was here in my office, and then I had a message from one of them, and he said, "Hey, you don't, you won't believe what happened." I said, "Oh, really? What happened?" They moved to the city, and instead of just starting a service there, 
they went to this local council and asked, oh, how can we serve? How can we help? And they invited him to go to the meetings. And not only him, but also the team, he started painting the sidewalks because this is this that they saw that they were needed in that context, right? And as a result of that, they ended up inviting him to be one of the members of the council. And the message was to say to me that, Eduardo, in the past, I would just start a service. But after the dynamic adventure training, I saw that I had to move there, listen, and interact with the city and the community, like the town, the small town. And not only they had this result, but after all, one Catholic church, this is this in Latin America, this doesn't happen pretty often, right? Yeah. Yeah. This Catholic church ended up saying, hey, we had a space there. We don't use that space. If we'd like to use the space to have um, this, your, your services and, or in the near future, you can just buy this. Serving opened the door to create a bridge to other parts of the community, you know? So I saw, I just told you a story in one small way, like this lady using her tortillas to see herself as an influence in the community, but also these people moving to another part of the city and using their team to serve the town instead of just starting a new service. Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, that's great to hear. And and that is where I think there's such a huge demand. They, I don't think anyone would ever be rejected for coming to a place, seeing what the needs are and starting to fill them. You know, uh, if, if you came to a place and and started proclaiming through planting a service, for example, um, mm-hmm. you can get yourself pretty quickly, you know, on right sides and wrong sides of a lot of people. Um, but man, going to to love and to serve and to listen, that I think is the huge opportunity um, as the church reimagines what mission means. So it, it, I know that this is definitely true historically, um, how traditional mission Uh, has been extraordinarily, or I could also say colonization or exploration, um, agonizingly uh, impactful on Central and South America. Uh, So when when you think of the word mission as we want to apply it and reclaim that word, uh, it's been co-opted because of its history, uh, what, what do you see as what mission looks like today and going into our future the more uh, the more the world get, gets complex i think the word also gets complex right yes. um how can we understand the needs of people and community but as we understand the needs instead of just responding in a consumer way mm-hmm. inviting them to to see the news of the gospel right or the different perspective of of the news of the gospel because uh, i would say that here in latin america if if we would talk about 
the news of the gospel that would just be repentance of sins first. I'm not saying this is not important. Please don't get me wrong. Um, I'm just saying that imagine the gospel as uh, a dice, right? For example, you have many, and you could just turn one face and that face in Costa Rica would look differently in an upper middle class in Sao Paulo or Brasilia. Okay. So if we teach leaders and their teams to discern which face of the die would apply better to their context. So it would be the redemptive plan of God, this mission of God, restoring the world, but responding in different situations in different ways. This happens with Nicodemus, right, in chapter three, and then you just turn the page in chapter four. It's a totally different approach. Yeah. So it is help these leaders with this discernment. Hey, this is chapter three. This is chapter four. This is, but in their own context. Uh, so we can be a vessel of God's redemptive wor- uh, work in the world. Right on. Thank you for that answer, Eduardo. Uh, well, hey, as we uh, start wrapping up, um, I know that you have just published a book. Speak to that a bit, and we'll make sure that it's available on the link through the show notes. Okay. Um, in English, the name of the book would be like Stop Running Circles. Uh, I think that there, everybody has an area in a life, in, in your life, for example, I have in my life that we would run in circles, right? Sure. So the idea of, and the conversation is not a recipe, do this and, but would be, what are the skills that we can have instead of just self-sabotaging ourselves? Hmm. We can live this abundant life that we have been invited to, right? Yeah. So. I would say, so these seven skills that I propose there, the first one is about first, you have to be aware of your, the, I would say, the, the personas that do not help you to move forward. Because mm-hmm. everybody has some stories that we tell ourselves that we get stuck, right? We get stuck because of the stories that we we tell ourselves. So the more people understand that they're not there that those stories but they can tap into the image of god to understand based on what they have lived in their lives what god is unfolding to them they can see not only a prosper present but also an abundant future so um that's an invitation for people to see not only the see not only the the fears or the stories that are helping them to be stuck but if you turn the other side of the coin the same fear or the same story that is inviting you to be stuck shows part of your talents and part of the resources you have that you haven't been looking into that right so um it's very interesting that to listen and to see that people who are or who were stuck? Hey, Eduardo, I'm, I was totally stuck here in my in the sphere of of being criticized. But then I saw that my fear of being criticized helped me develop such 
strong connections of prudence and wisdom. I have to rely on this resources. And when the person goes there, is not just going to the self for the sake of the self. The more the person navigates there, this person will find the fingerprints of God. Wow, that, that's great. In the leadership coaching that I do, and I'm sure this is familiar to you too, um, there are usually three pretty dominant themes that, that come back from leaders. One is that they're stuck and don't know how to get unstuck. Uh, another is that they've plateaued. They've kind of gotten to a certain place and you know maybe boredom sets in. Or they're exhausted and burned out. Um, so it, it sounds like your book is, is helping people kind of get to the root of how to get beyond some of those things. That's right. That's right. Because those who are burned out help them to see themselves as like new lenses instead of just this idea of a failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who are plateau, they can be more merciful with them and to create spaces for discernment and conversation. Because if you get to a place that's a plateau, all right, what you don't have the resources, but do you have the phone number of someone who has the resources at least, you know? And, yeah. and the person starts to think, yes, that's right. I do not have the resource, but I have the phone number of someone who has the resource. So it creates this space, the space that helps the person. And uh, the first one, what was the first one that you said? Uh, plateau, burnout, and stuck, being stuck. Yeah, yeah. And stuck helps a lot the person to understand better the stories that they're telling themselves and right. how to navigate better on that. Yeah, It's more like this inner conversation and how to, instead of listening to these threats and fears, listen to do the windows of opportunity that God brings us. Well, Eduardo, congratulations on, on the book. Uh, I know that you wrote it in Portuguese. Is it available in any other languages yet? Uh, and if not, any idea when it may be? Um, just in Portuguese so far, but I plan that if I do not run in circles, <laughs> maybe... <laughs> Uh, next, next, next year, 2000, um, 2023, I plan on at least move forward towards this. Good. Well, we all look forward to it, my friend. Um, thanks again, Eduardo, for taking such a long time with us and what a great conversation. And you, my friend are an inspiration to me and to so many inside and outside of Communitas. So thank you for using your talents and your gifts uh, in a way that is just so redeeming to so many others. Um, so thanks for your time. And we'll get some show notes in there too, folks, for uh, information on some of the services that Eduardo provides uh, and also a way to be in touch. Uh, Eduardo, any, any final thoughts before we sign off? I just would say that a reminder that God is not only working through us but also in us because while i was thinking about these questions to serve this podcast and serve others who are listening man it's incredible god is also working in my heart you know so 
<laughs> these yeah. questions triggered something here in me and also invited me to new thoughts and new ways of uh, thinking. So just saying this, that this is this, this constant we are serving and also being transformed by God at the same time. That's right. That's right. That's the beauty of it. And, and part of the mystery is engaging in honest conversation where we ask hard questions of each other is of itself transforming. <laughs> so, That's right. That's I right. love how that equation works. You know, you can go into something where you think, oh, I just need to answer some questions. And you you step out going, whoa, that, that transformed me. That's, that's good stuff. Yeah. But I just, uh, another thing, Jeff, is the environment that communitas creates for us in terms of you can be vulnerable and you can step into those questions. Uh, this creates a powerful place for us to be transformed because you can be honest, you can answer the questions, but if you do not have the space where, Hey, let's just work on this together. Transformation would not unfold. So I think it's the, it's the mix of everything. And we do have this in communitas. Yeah, it it is a, it is a beautiful thing because it, it's taking place of course, locally with life on life. Uh, and this organization ha has found a way to have it happen globally. Um, whether we're getting together in person or Zoom or, or other ways, that, that culture has um, had a huge impact on so many lives. I know it has on mine. All right, Eduardo, we will uh, be back together again, you and I, very soon, as we have some regular meetings that we attend together. Uh, for everybody else, thank you so much for listening again to another episode of the Communitas Podcast. If you liked this podcast, please let us know and let us know that you liked it and pass it on to friends and family. Uh, maybe there are some who would love to hear what was discussed here today that um, would only know about it through your voice. So please do let them know we are available on all the major podcast platforms. And we will see you again shortly with another guest on the Communitas Podcast. <music>